This episode is sponsored by Pet Matrix Premium Canine Supplements. Straight Up Dog Talk is super excited to be partnered with Pet Matrix. After exhausting several other pet supplemental brands, I am now seeing the results that I have always been searching for for Toby and Fitz. Pet Matrix supports all three pillars of canine wellness using their cell matrix delivery. It delivers nutrition directly into the cell. If you're looking for a supplement that pairs with nature and science, look no further and get your dog on Pet Matrix today. Welcome to Straight Up Dog Talk, a new kind of podcast where no topic is off limits. We're bringing in experts and owners to have the conversations we should be having as a dog community. Each week, a new guest will share first-hand experiences, educational resources, or professional guidance to help you learn and grow along with your dog. You won't get one perspective here. You'll get them all, because every dog is different and every owner is too. You can follow along on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Straight Up Dog Talk or by visiting www.straightupdogtalk.com. Tune in from any of your favorite podcast platforms. Welcome to Straight Up Dog Talk. Today's episode, we're featuring Sydney, who is a previous foster parent and now a current foster fail dog mom. We've got Josh as usual. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And of course, like I said, we have Sydney here tonight. How are you doing? Hey, great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We're super excited to have you here. You have a really unique and um, heartwarming story, and it's one of those ones that I think is really important to get out there. So we'll start with the fostering bit. I know you initially got into your love for dogs with fostering programs. So why don't you tell us about that a little bit? Certainly. Uh, so I I fostered for four years before I failed with my dog, Jean Jean. And I just, I kind of wanted to give back a little bit and see what that was like. And so I went for it, not knowing much about training or having dogs. So I watched a lot of the now kind of defunct Cesar Milan. I watched like, <laughs> like eight, 80 hours of that, like obnoxious amounts. And so I was just talking about it and hyper-focused on it and speaking to everyone I knew before I even got my first dog so that I would be like sort of a, really good with him. And I, it went great. And that was Heinz, my first dog. So he was my first guy. He was your first one. And yeah. how did how long did you have Heinz, do you think? I think it was only three months, but every day and evening and weekend, I uh, trained him on the leash. Uh, we went on trails. I I did every kind of training I could think of, and he was just perfect. I made sure his diet was great, and he had a lot of stuff to do with his athleticism, running and, and whatnot. And so that process was very bonding with Heinz and me and... So it was kind of heartbreaking when I found a person to adopt him permanently. And and everyone on social media was like, are you nuts? You're actually getting rid of Heinz? Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> so it, it was, you know, it was heart-wrenching to uh, to adopt out my first dog. And, and from that, I learned to take it easy a little bit more on the training, which is probably worse for the dogs, but it was better for my mental health mm -hmm. um to not be as bonded with every single dog that came through my door so 
that's kind of how that went. I can imagine that would be really difficult to create that relationship of trust between you and a dog and then have to pass it off to somebody else. Oh yeah. No, my, my wife and I have discussed this and, and I can't foster. I, I can't either. Like that dog would be around for two days, three days. And I'd be like, and you're adopted. Yeah. <laughs> That's what everyone said online. They're like, I don't know how to do it. Just keep yeah. all of them, you know? Well, that's the thing. I would keep all of them and then I would need like, you know, a hundred acre ranch in order to have all of these dogs because I wouldn't know what else to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a real, it's a real liability. (laughs) (laughs) It truly is. I'm one of those people that's always said that if I win the lottery, like you guys will know because all of a sudden the dog shelters locally will be empty and they'll just be me like lost among a mass of dogs somewhere and oh, you'll no, never we, hear from me. Yeah, we have the lottery plan where where you start doing your vet tech stuff again at, at a at a giant house filled with dogs and the, yeah, that's yeah. Yes. That sounds like heaven. It would right? be it would yeah. be heaven. Yeah. And actually um when I was getting Odie uh, Odysseus, my second dog, um, when I adopted him, his foster mom was like, if you weren't going to be interested, that was going to be it. I was going to, that was going to be a foster fail. I was going to take him. And, uh, she even came over like a couple times after, cause we were like, if you want to come see him. Like, I remember you know, that. Yeah. I remember that know. being such a good relationship that you had with her. Yeah. yeah. Before I would adopt any dogs out, I say, Hey, are you guys cool with us keeping in contact and potentially Mm -hmm. me visiting the dog and everybody was great i got pictures i got birthday photos i got you know the updates when they would pass away if they're Mm -hmm. you know older um so it was great i feel like i have just a bunch of kids out there you know (laughs) so do you still get updates on heinz I haven't gotten an update on Heinz in like a, probably a year and a half. So I'm kind of scared to, uh, to ask about it, you know, that's fair. I like totally it, get that. Ignorance is bliss a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> now you said Heinz was your first dog, but I'm sure you fostered more after that. Yes. I, I kind of lost count. I was going to try to tally it up before meeting with you guys today, but I, I don't know how many there were a lot. <laughs> we had everything from puppies, you know, brand new puppies to geriatric dogs, um, to bait dogs, um, to everything in between. I had a couple dogs at a time before males, females, all different breeds, mutts, um, and so one of them was uh, that purebred uh, Mastiff, that geriatric yeah. one that I had for almost a year. <laughs> yeah, you you had told me about Moses. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you said you had him for 364 days. That's correct. He was geriatric, as I said. He was a big, giant, gorgeous baby. And everyone loved the social media videos I did of him eating healthy veggies and stuff like that. He was so cute. But then when people would meet him in person, he was incredibly shy around people. Um, It took a long time for me to really bond with him, but we were bonded. And I think people's feelings would get hurt when they tried to adopt him. And also, I was trying to find someone that was really good with having a dog kind of at the end of their life. And we finally 
found a, a great fit for him. And it was a, a young gal who was moving to California close to the ocean. And she's like, yeah, I'm fine with him um, being in his last days. I'll take great care of him. He'll sw swim in the ocean and everything. And Moses actually liked her. And it was wild. I mean, after a year of interviewing people and people meeting them, it's just sometimes you got to wait for the right angel to come along and match with the other angel. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's such a cool story. I, I, working with geriatric pets really takes a special kind of person. It's not something that everybody can do. Uh, we have a couple of other guests that are coming on who only work with uh, special needs or geriatric pets. And so that's going to be really exciting to get those gals on here and talk about that. There's also a rescue called Frosted Faces that I'm trying to get to agree to do an interview as well. So shout out to them. I hope they hear this and say, yes, we'll be on your podcast. Um, but they specialize in only senior pets, which is, I think, incredible. And uh, it takes a village to do that, but such a great mission all in the same uh, rescue area. I mean, I would liken it. I would liken it to, to humans, actually, like uh, when I was in education, uh, I would only be able to sub once a week in a special needs classroom just because it took so much out of me. Um, but I would have teachers go, oh, my God, you should, you know, we have a position coming up, you should apply. And I'd be like, listen, I have to prepare myself to do one day a week of this. I am not built for it. You know, and it's it's the same, I would imagine, working like in a senior center or something like that. Like, you know, my abuela goes to a daycare. She's 94, you know, a couple days a week. And I've gone and picked her up and I'm just like, I would not be able to do this day in, day out. You know, and it's the same with dogs, you know, like I've had dogs that have had quirks, but I wouldn't call any of them like special needs. And even when Oliver and Odie got you know, in the double digits as Yorkies, which, you know, they 13 is 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 good for a Yorkie and both of them lasted till 12. You know, I there were issues with that that I just was not mentally ready or prepared to deal with. But at that point, I had the relationship with them that I'd had them earlier. I can't imagine coming into that relationship. Yeah. Dogs aging. I think that's something that the dog community doesn't prepare you enough for mm -hmm. because you see all of these young vital puppies and you know adult dogs like running around and having fun and doing all these great things on instagram and then slowly it's like they introduce a new dog but they don't um continue to feature the dog that was originally on the account mm -hmm. an account that does a really good job of still featuring um, the dog that started it all is Good Boy Ollie. Another shout out to an amazing account on Instagram. If you don't follow them, you should. Uh, she got a puppy for her older chocolate lab this last Christmas, and she even let Ollie name the puppy. So Tato, I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with the Good Boy Ollie and Good Boy Tato accounts. Um, it, she just does an incredible job of still making sure that Ollie is the center of attention, even though the Raptor boy has kind of come in and, you know, spurred things up a little bit. So um, back to Sydney here. Have you experienced any bad situations with fostering at all? Uh, yes. As we 
kind of touched on um, in getting to know each other. I did have a couple of instances of getting bitten. One of them I could totally handle and it was fine. I just went to the doctor. It was kind of my inexperience in dealing with two dogs, but I kind of learned from that and it was no big deal. I kept the dog and it was fine. But the other more problematic situation for me was I had a dog and this was not this dog's fault. uh, A human kept this particular dog in a crate for a year. So you can imagine how awful uh, that is and just heartbreaking. I said I would take the dog, but ahead of taking the dog, I wasn't prepared adequately in knowing what this dog's needs would be in terms of training. Um, But I naively, I took the dog and soon realized that he was kind of out of my league um, in terms of needing someone that can rehabilitate because... I would take this dog out uh, to the dog park before there were any dogs, like 530 in the morning and just let him run, you know, and he loved it so much. He was so grateful. I It was just such a joy to see. Um, and then at one point, one of our mornings, he just it's like he got so excited that he kind of like lost blew a gasket, I want to say. And it was in the winter. So I was wearing a lot of thick uh, winter layers. And but he he began to attack me quite violently. Um, so I had, you know, cuts on me from all the way through my winter clothing, which was so scary. I'm glad I didn't fall down and expose my head or anything like that. But I wasn't really trained in how to deal with this. And I thought, well, I'm, this is how I die. And I'm going to die in a, a dog park alone at 530 in the morning. Um, so I tried to get him out of the park. And then he attacked again um, when we were near the exit and it it scared the bejesus out of me and I was shaken and I I didn't blame the dog at any point. Um, But when I tried to speak to like the foster coordinator, she legit like did not um, have any sort of like plan or empathy for what I experienced. And I just tried to be as honest as possible and I know, she'll, um, you know, these orgs are so backed up and they have so much work and it's overwhelming. So try to give her the benefit of the doubt. But she didn't want to take the dog. And I told her, I said, I'm 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 scared to death of this dog and I don't want to be. But I I don't know how to deal with a dog uh, that's in this position. So finally, I just insisted that I, I need to bring this dog. Uh, back because I don't know what to do. I'm I'm very scared. So I took the dog back, but then it was kind of like we weren't on the best terms because of that. And I, I felt I had been as above board and, you know, considerate and communicative as possible, but it's still, it wasn't ideal. Um, so that's why I don't want to name the organization I was working with all uh, because out of respect for them, because like I said, I know they're overwhelmed and it's a human problem that we've created. So it is what it is, but yeah, it's not perfect. No, I completely agree. And there is definitely a barrier between educating the people who are fostering, but also educating the people who are trying to foster out the dogs because there's just a lack of knowledge about some of these dogs in general. Um, You know, they get brought in from, 
bad situations like hoarder houses or puppy mills or uh, any or you don't know yeah you just don't right. know they're right. straight off the street you know well, from some terrible situation artemis my my uh, current dog is a mutt uh she's about 50 pounds um but she does not have a clear definition between play and an attack um you know we've worked with her and and she's much better about it now um but even as as recently as a couple weeks ago i was playing with her and she snapped at me and that immediately is like okay we're shutting down play and then she gets super embarrassed you know but i it it's it's it is absolutely a human problem because we don't speak dog and it's our responsibility to be the, the ones in control you know and and not in an alpha way but in a this is a safe environment for you way you know it's like blaming a kid yes. you know for for lashing out um so yeah but, I, but that until you brought it up sydney uh i i really appreciated that because more and more people as we do this podcast i'm able to hear you know that that is a common thing that is you know when i came into the owning dogs i i came in with zero knowledge um and if it wasn't for my relationship with ems you know and knowing her she came back to iowa shortly after i got my first dog who was three and a puppy mill stud dog um so you talk about being in a crate he had never experienced anything outside of a crate um they shaved him completely because he had never had a haircut um you know and then i made the mistake of researching why he wasn't barking uh or some of the other things and i don't recommend researching what puppy mills do to dogs um yeah if you're not in that situation but it's it's Everybody on this show coming together and learning together is what we're trying to do. Well, and a, a note that I have here to put out there for everybody is the main goal of this podcast is to remove shame from all elements of dog ownership. We're, we're trying to level the playing field here, learning things like your dog's body language, your dog's vocal tendencies, their eating habits. That's all stuff that has to be taken into account. And that's why we're bringing in, you know, all different trainers and nutritionists and other kinds of specialists and people who work with dogs with special needs and people who work with aggressive breeds and all of the resources that we can provide to you guys. Because I think that social media has white picket fenced mm -hmm. dog ownership and that's not what it is it's not a white picket fence it's not a cut it's not a cutout cookie shape it's not perfection every dog is different every owner is different every method and relationship is different and it's just really important that people understand that there is support out there and that that is the community that we are trying to build here yeah, and I love that you have those videos on, um, you know, that about your dog kind of not being perfect in the backyard. That is so um, refreshing, I think, for people to witness and that the community that you're building around this transparency, I think, is going to help save lives for dogs, dogs' lives. 
I, yeah, I, I also believe that. And, and thank you for that. I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Fitz is, he is, he is a handful. Um, he's a lot more vocal and he seems scary, but he really is just a big chicken and he doesn't want anybody to come over to the yard. But yes, I want people to see because I'm out here advertising. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Your dog doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Here's my dog. Let me put him right out there for you guys to see him misbehave. And, you know, the clapback is always, oh, why did you do that? Or that's so dumb. Don't show people that. Why not? That is the absolute 100% honest reality of what goes on in a lot of people's lives. And again, makes people feel ashamed because they're not on the same level with some of these influencers. And that's it's all about time and attention. And like you said, bonding with the dog and putting that training in, because once you create that level, it changes things entirely between you and your dog. Yeah. Even on Jean Jean's account, like I told you, um, like people have been like, Hey, your dog's nails are too long, or they'll just start saying something about his breed or any manner of things like, Oh, I, I joked about taking him to get chicky nugs and people are like, you shouldn't feed him that. And I was like, I'm just taking him to get a snack. Like he, his normal diet is very controlled and we care about his diet. It's relax, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally, totally understand that people can be very aggressive when it comes to their opinions online. Um, I recently had that, video of Fitz eating cake off of a fork that went viral. It had over half a million views and people, I did not know that letting my dog use a utensil was so controversial. She was bringing this up the other night and all I kept thinking about was uh, there's a quote from the West Wing where he's like, the internet people have gone crazy. I'm like, yeah, that's what they do, Em. (laughs) (laughs) Like they're there, yeah, there are great communities like this that are very supportive and everything else. And there's just a section of the internet that just wants to bitch about stuff. Burn so, it down. But hey, yeah. it's engagement. That's what I say. So there they, you go. Yeah. yeah. They're doing you a solid, in my opinion. Well, that's the thing is I don't think that a lot of people understand that when they share it to their stories and make fun of me, that's actually good for me and that I'm just going to sit there and laugh about it. Thanks for your hate. Share, (laughs) like, and subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Oh, man. Okay, so let's move on just a little bit. What was your favorite part of fostering? Oh, like I think I mentioned um, in our previous conversations, I love to fatten up a a super, super duper emaciated dog. It was absolutely my favorite thing to do with fostering. It it feels like you're kind of being naughty. Speaking of diet, (laughs) (laughs) like, oh, you want a cheeseburger? Let's go. You know, like all those things. I mean, try not to give them too much fat, but they need a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I had a dog named Petey. And, uh, he was a bait dog. He had scars on every inch of his little body. And, um, it took a whole village to get this dog rehabilitated. So there was a person who saw him. Um, I'm not sure what state, but he was torn up, you know, internal, internally and externally. And she took him in and paid for his care, a private, just regular woman, citizen, and, um, and 
and the vet, you know, they did some things to comp, you know, their services as well. And then the foster, um, or got involved and I said, I'll take them. I saw him and I, I was like, I'll take him right now. Cause it was like an urgent, we need somebody and he's got special needs. He's torn up, he's recovering. He's got to wear the little, the, the cone. Um, luckily they had the soft cone of shame and not the hard one. <laughs> and he had to wear that for quite a long time because he had very deep scars and he was emaciated and, um, he was, he was dog aggressive, I guess. I didn't know because I didn't have him, but, but that was just kind of, he was a little bit, he was scared of everything. Um, so I got to fatten him up and I have before and after pictures if anybody's interested. Um, and it's, oh my gosh, it's so satisfying. But the person that eventually adopted him was a man who was a first responder and he had PS PTSD as did my PD, I'm pretty sure. And right away they bonded instantly. And it was, oh my God, everyone was crying. I was crying. His wife was crying. And I got to tell you, these people who adopted PD were, they're saints in my book because they had other dogs at home, uh, two or three other dogs, and he wasn't great with them. So they had to change their whole life to kind of make PD have his own space and then also get socialized a little bit. And they work with so many trainers and they emailed me so many times. Like, I think we have to give up, you know, we've tried this, this, and this, and, you know, we'd talk about it and like, you know, there's no shame in, 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 you know, realizing you can't rehabilitate PD that you can find someone else. I was trying not to shame anybody in the whole process. Um, and eventually they put him on doggy Prozac and it saved his life. And he's a happy dog. He's, he's not perfect. He still has to be, you know, kept separately in certain situation, but Prozac ended up saving him and those angels who stuck with him and all the training they tried and they did not give up on that dog. And it was just, it was just so beautiful. Like it makes me cry to this day. That's, that is an incredibly beautiful story. I, have some other guests that are kind of come on and share some stories that did not end so beautifully as that one. Um, but again, we're here to talk about all of those things, good and bad, but it's so wonderful to hear that there are cases that do work out because there are so many sad stories out there that people don't talk about, but there's also so many good stories out there that people don't talk about. Yeah. And it, and the fact that it just takes one person to do the right thing initially, and then the village will show up if you're talking about an animal. I mean, I know there's a lot of evil in the world. Um, like what Josh mentioned about puppy mills and all the endless things we could talk about, but there is so much amazing good stuff in the world with people just stepping up and being like, all right, I'm going to do something. I'm going to help out whether it's reaching in their, you know, bank account or fostering or adopting or whatever it is, or just continuing to stick with a, a dog, a life and taking value in that life. So I like to focus on those good things. That's a great way to put it. It's really, yeah. really adequate, eloquent. Well, and like you were saying uh, about, you know, taking him for a cheeseburger or chicken nuggies or, or, or whatever. I mean, that's not something that you do every day, obviously, but there is also, in my opinion, nothing wrong with giving a dog a little bit of joy to help kind of kickstart that relationship 
when Ollie, when my, when my puppy mill dog, when I first adopted him, he didn't eat or come out of the bathroom where his crate was for two days. Um, and I finally, I was just like, I'm just going to try whatever. And I made, I, I love to cook and I made beef stew and the smell of beef stew actually brought him out and he started kind of poking his head around. So I took some of the broth and I poured it over his kibble. And that was the first time I got him to eat. And I never had a problem with him eating ever again. Cause he was like, Oh, you know, you trust, you know, I can trust this because he had never had anybody in his life other than his foster that had only had him for about a month and a half. Um, so he went straight from puppy mill to foster, just trying to get him ready for adoption straight to me. Um, and you know, yes, that's not the best thing. I would not give my dog, you know, beef broth, uh, you know, beef stew and, and all this other stuff every day, but Taking it, letting it cool a little bit, and giving them a little is, you know, nobody will tell me that's not how you should do that with your dog because that is how, literally how my relationship with my dog started. You know, I cook to show people I love them and I did it for my dog too. <laughs> that is so beautiful. And, and dogs lead with their nose, right? So mm -hmm. it's like you tempted him with your beautiful gesture <laughs> and your cooking. And he smelled it. And that's what mm -hmm. brought him there in the first place for you to be able to show him love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you said, just providing those small amounts of joy, those happy moments, those are core memories. Those are core connections. Those are bonds that you're building with your dog. And yes, we're going to have people come on here and talk about nutrition. And they're probably going to tell us that we shouldn't be doing that. And I will listen to everything that they say. And I will follow those rules to the best of my ability. But again, that's one of those things where not everybody can follow that schedule or that lifestyle or that feeding recommendation the same way that everybody else can. Some people have more time, some people have less time, and it really just has to fit into your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You can't make it a chore because that takes all the joy out of it for you and the dog. Right. And I, I think there's a level of classism sometimes when people enter into those highly yeah, judgmental yeah. realms of saying you should and shouldn't and can and can't do this and that. Some people are saving a dog and they're on a limited income, fixed budget or whatever, and they're doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. And guess what? The dog is happy and loves their owner. And it's okay to be kind of broke and still be loving <laughs> on your dog in ways that might not be the always healthiest way so i'm i'm a proponent of whatever means necessary in the whole village participating and you don't have to be an influencer to do it no you're absolutely yeah. right that that's an incredible way to look at it and sometimes you spend a lot of money just trying to find a solution that ends up being the cheapest thing sorry this is <laughs> <laughs> Ollie, I spent, I would go to PetSmart every week and get a new bag of treats and he would have like one of them and then never be interested in another again. So I had all these treats around and then I found out one day baby carrots was his favorite thing in the world and they cost 99 cents for a bag. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> so to this day, for all of my dogs, I have baby carrots in my fridge because I'm like... Oh. No, yeah, I could. I, I mean, I still get like nice treats and things, but I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe baby carrots was the thing that. That's like dogs. a kid. How Some kids dog. like to play with the cardboard box, you know? Yes. Like that. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. That's, it's so funny. Well, let's move on just a little farther down the road because we know that you are a foster fail, but let's talk about how you got to be a foster fail because there is a story here. Sure. Uh, thanks for asking. Um, so I had this dog that I was fostering. His name was Bill Belichick, and he was a massive pit bull mix, bully mix. He was huge. I, I, I forget how much he weighed, but oh my gosh, was this dog adorable. Like he had a big <laughs> giant bucket head and um, he was one of the smartest dogs I've ever met. You could just do a little quick like whistle with your teeth like that. And and Bill Belichick would be like, what's going on? And, I, and And this dog would literally sit next to me on the couch and look around at artwork and just just stare at it, just look at stuff. I was like, what is this dog? Is he like an art critic or like, what is he doing? You know, <laughs> and um, I really wanted to keep Bill Belichick and. At this point in fostering, I was like four years in and the whole time I was thinking, oh, I, I can't have a dog because I don't have a fence in my yard, you know, stuff like that. I, I always like you were talking about you, Josh and M, about people putting up this ideal of what you mm -hmm. got to be to be a dog owner. And I finally realized like, geez, like Sydney, like you you can own a dog like the people you're giving these dogs to are, you know, you're just as good as they are. So it took, it took for some reason a while for me to really realize that I could be a fine dog owner. And I realized it with Bill Belichick and I wanted to keep him. But at that point I had already introduced him to a potential, uh, 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 family and they loved him as well. And, you know, the policy, I just couldn't break their hearts and not, uh, you know, kind of say, no, you can't have this dog because it kind of doesn't work like that. Once you let people meet the dog, it's kind of, you know, unless there's something wrong with them, they have kind of first right of refusal in the foster world, at least in the organization that I was with. So I was heartbroken, but I still meet up with him and um, they send me video updates and it turns out this dog knows like, I forget if they said it was like 120 or 150 commands. Um, he's super smart, but he's also a goofball. Um, because <laughs> like if you take him to the vet and I had to a couple of times, um, he is so excited by other doggies that he will just start barking. He's so, he just, he's not aggressive at all. He just wants to play with every dog he's ever met. And they're all his best friend. And he's just like a total goof and gets so excited. I mean, maybe that is a little dog aggression somewhere in there. I'm not sure, but I didn't have him long enough to really know. But he he barked and I did get kicked out of the vet with him one time. So I was like, <laughs> sure. I was like, sure, we'll just uh, go sit over here on this picnic table. And then we're just out in front of this vet with this big, massive pity, like barking his head off and people looking at me like, what is wrong with your dog? <laughs> but eventually, you know, I gave them to those people and they're great about communicating, like I said, with the videos. So that was Bill Belichick. Um, and the very next foster that I got was Jean Jean. And I, I took like one look at the dog. I was with the dog, like two seconds. I was like, I, I'm not giving this dog to anyone else. <laughs> 
That was my wife with Artemis. Yeah. So I was like, that's it. And I kept him and that was it. And now he's my baby. And he's well, got his little TikTok account. <laughs> and Jean Jean is also a big old blocky mix too, isn't he? Yeah, he's some kind of bully. And I'm going to do the the DNA um, from your link. Um, Yay! I, I got, I'm going to do that soon, this month. I got to I gotta write that down. Um, so I'm very excited to see what he is, but some kind of bully pity mix. And I've gotten, again, yelled at on the internet for calling him a pity because I don't whatever. know what he is. I know. People are yelling at me for that. So I was like, okay, bully mix, pity mix. I don't really know. So once I get his DNA, everyone can calm down and I can call him the right <laughs> Well, so we've mentioned this, I think, in another episode that I want to have everybody who does a DNA test come back and reveal their DNA test results on the podcast. So oh. when you get that done, make sure you let me know and we'll have you come back on the podcast and announce it with some of the other people that are doing it as well. Okay, that sounds so fun. Thank you. I will definitely do that. Yeah, that will be really, really fun. Be like Maury. Yes. What breed are you? <laughs> you are not a pit bull. <laughs> you are not a pity. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. Well, tell us a little bit about Jean Jean. Jean Jean is kind of like this mellow dude. He just seems to hang out. She does have TikTok um, for him. I'll make sure you guys get all the deets so you can follow because he's so cute. He's also on the website. <laughs> Check Thank the you. episode description. Yeah, episode <laughs> description. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, he's um like you said, um, he's he's uh he's kind of a mirror, you know. So if we're being super athletic in the household and going on lots of walks or jogs or whatever, he wants to come with and he wants to participate, run around like a madman. But if somebody's under the weather or something's going on, he will like I said, I recently had surgery and he been in bed, you know, a lot of times and he will just stay in bed with me. It doesn't matter. It's day, night. He'll just, as long as he can go potty and get his water and, and his food, he's, he can stay in bed with me for a few days. It's wild. So he's just very amenable to whatever his people are doing. And he does have a little bit of separation anxiety, which I've worked on a lot. So I try not to overly greet him when I come in from being out without him, which is rare. Uh, <laughs> or, or when I leave, I try not to make a big deal. I, would, I kind of just disappear, make sure he has a chew toy. Um, but yeah, he's, he likes to be with his people and he loves, he's never met a dog or a person that he didn't love. So he's just a big lovable baby and he's my baby. <laughs> well, hopefully one day I will get to meet that big old lug in person because I am just obsessed with his sweet, jolly little face. He is, he is just so adorable. You did say that um, you, you leave him alone sometimes, not very often. Do you crate train with him at all? Nope, I refuse. Um, so they... He came from, I guess, Missouri originally. Not a lot of info about him, but the vets that did the intake for him said that his canine, his incisors were, they looked like the incisors of a dog who had been left in a crate again. Um, and so tried to 
gnaw his way out of a crate. So I just said, I'm not, I can't, I have a crate for him. Um, but I don't make him get in it. I just throw, you know, treats in there and a place to sleep, but he doesn't really go in there much. Depends on the time of year. Like sometimes in the winter, he ends up in there more because it's close to the fireplace. But mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I refuse to make him go in a crate. I'm just not going to do it ever. I think as long as he's not destructive and it's a mutual understanding between the two of you and nobody's at risk when you're not home, I don't think that that is an unacceptable choice. Thank you. Yeah, I, I just feel better about it. I, I just can't do it to the little guy. It's not going to happen. Artemis would be devastated if she couldn't be on any of her couches at any time. That's Toby. <laughs> Toby, Toby cannot do kennels either. He's he's terrible about it. Fitz, he likes his kennel. He knows that that's his place to go. Gives Toby a break from Fitz. It works great in our house. Doesn't work great in every house. That's, mm-hmm. you know, again, another one of those situations. Oh, man. Uh, I once had a colleague who she went home and this dog had eaten her couch. <laughs> Oh, no. I had a dog that I used to pet sit for who was petrified of uh, fireworks. And I would have to be there on 4th of July and New Year's Eve when these people were traveling. And I would sit in the laundry room and I would put the dryer balls in the dryer and start the dryer ball. And we would lay on the floor until all of the fireworks were over because this dog, his name was Eddie, would eat holes in the carpet or in the walls if he was left unattended and they couldn't put him in a kennel because he freaked out so bad oh you did a good thing (laughs) with the white the white noise (laughs) yeah it was it was definitely uh one of the more um difficult aspects of the pet sitting because i could not leave pretty much that entire day or the next day because on those holidays around here where we live it's like a, the whole month and people are just lighting off fireworks. And, you know, that's something we'll have to get into in another episode. Um, just, you know, people not being polite to people who have dogs and the whole advocacy of how we can communicate in that area as well. I'm going to mute myself during that entire episode because I cannot, <laughs> I cannot be kind to those people. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Or it's like a business opportunity for somebody to invent, you know, some soundproofing for, you know, houses, like a a dog soundproof room or something. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. That's actually a really good idea. Thanks. That's a really good idea. Um, Do you have any like funny stories about Gene Gene? Anything that he's done that's just, you know, makes you laugh every time you think about it? Well, when I first got him, uh, when I would leave briefly, I realized he kind of had a thing for tomatoes. So he would just, you know, like Josh with the baby carrots, uh, Gene Gene would counter surf uh, and grab the tomato. And then he would just kind of eat, you know, one chunk out of it and then leave it alone. <laughs> and then maybe like bat it around or something. So I'd come home and there'd just be this like mangled tomato. I'm not sure how much he actually ate out of it <laughs> or if he's just using it as a ball or whatever, but he did this a lot. So I, I wrote a poem about him called Tomato Thief. I think it's somewhere in my TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I don't think I've ever heard of a dog playing with a tomato before. That's a new one for me. And I've heard a lot of stories. Yeah. Tomato Thief. 
he's just a goof. I don't, I, I should have had a, a webcam set up, you know, so I could see really, did he really take a bite or does he did just, he just lose a piece? Right, right. <laughs> you may never know. Oh goodness. That's so funny. Gene Gene does well with other people. He's socialized. You said with dogs, you don't have any issues with him at all. No, the only issues, um, that scare me are when people have an unleashed dog and we're leashed up and we're just like on a trail randomly in my neck of the woods. And it's super scary. Even if it's a little tiny little bugger, um, those seem to be the ones that just want to come at him and stuff. They're probably scared cause they're little, but that's, that's been the scariest type of thing that's happened. And once, uh, he did get out the back door, he, he, he bolted so hard that he, he uh got through the screen door and he was running down this busy thoroughfare and it was quite frightening. Um, but I I didn't panic. I just went and got him. But the lady that saw him was freaking out. I don't know if she thought he's gonna come at her or something. It was like, no, he's fine. He just saw a rabbit. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's quite strong when he wants to be. Um, so he's broken a he broke a harness not too many months ago too. So he's a when he sees a rabbit, he gets really excited. <laughs> okay, well, we know to stay away from rabbit holes when we're walking Jean Jean. That does not sound like a lot of fun to me. <laughs> yeah, but I got to get him this cute uh, harness that says, you know, best friend on the side of it. Mm. So people like that it looks so cute. Oh, looks, looks kind of like a support dog. People, since I've had that harness, people are like, is he a support dog? I'm like, no, not officially, but it just says best friend. It's very cute. That is really cute. Um, if you know where you got that from, share that info with me and we will share it in the episode information as well to um, help that small business out. Okay, sure. We'll do that. Okay. There's one thing that you shared with me about Jean Jean that's really fascinating and you and I kind of dove into it a little bit on our own and in, in uh, the research area. Tell us a little bit about the change in Jean Jean. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I almost forgot. What a crazy thing. So when I first got Jean Jean uh, and all his like adoption photos and photos I took of him when I first got him, he's got like a bluish grayish blue eyeballs, irises, and he's got spots almost like a dalmatian all down his back big bright dark you know uh gray spots um and now he's mostly white you know with some patches unless you get him wet you can kind of see uh the the spots and he's got amber colored eyeballs so oh. until until i talked to M the other day i was like i mean not even no vet was able to tell me what that was um and M kind of pointed me to an account where this dog had like a vitiligo, I think. Uh -huh. So I'm not sure if Jean hmm. has vitiligo, but but it did kind of help me realize that with what M had researched, that he's probably maybe closer to one year old when I got him versus two years, based on him changing right around the time I got him. But it's it's baffling. So I have the befores and the afters of him, his back spotted almost people will be like oh is that a dalmatian to now just white you know with very faint spotting 
and then blue eyes to amber eyes. It's like, what in the world? And he was a, he was fully sized. This wasn't a, a little puppy when I got him. He was full grown adult sized dog. So it was wild. People didn't believe me till I I did the, all the side by sides, the eyeballs and the spots <laughs> and the spots. But yeah, it's very wild. Yeah, it's it's a recessive DNA trait. It's the MLPH gene. And I'm really interested to see how it shows up because if you do the ad, more advanced DNA test, it will show that in all of the breakdown, which is the stuff that I totally nerd out over because it will explain why his coat looks the way that it looks. And it'll explain what um, strands the DNA you know, pairs are. And that's why it did that. But it's something that's, that's pretty rare. Um, it's been... I've seen it a few places on TikTok and Instagram, and I believe the account is Fanny is Fresh, is the dog that was a Burmese mountain dog mm. and had the dark black and tan coloring and now has like a mostly white face. Mm. It's very, very neat. Um, definitely something Wild. you guys should check out. Yeah, yeah for sure. I looked at it and I was like, I showed um, my significant other and he was like, what? That's the same dog. Are you sure it's the same dog? I'm like, yes, it's the same dog. And uh, so I really do. I will make a video about that for Gigi because I haven't thought about anyone being interested in that in a long time. So I'll I'll dig out the, the befores and afters and make an updated video so people can look at that in case they are wondering about it as well. Absolutely. That, that, like I said, is such a fascinating change, mutation, genetic area that we can really get into. Um, yeah. And it was wild because the vet, some of the vets didn't believe, like they're kind of gaslighting me. They're like, no, nah, that's not a thing, you know? So it's not like they're all genetic experts on every single thing. So, but it was kind of funny to be gaslit. Uh, because they didn't see the dog. They didn't meet Jean Jean right away. You know, they're like, what? No, that's not things. So <laughs> if you're listening to this and you are a dog DNA genetic specialist, please email us because <laughs> we would love to have you come talk about this on the podcast, because this is a fascinating topic that I don't think a lot of people are aware of. And it's just a, a really neat conversation piece. Yeah. Oh, people had so many theories too. And I kind of put it out on social media and nobody was able to have even any remote explanation for it. It was like, oh, he's got skin allergies or something. It was like, okay, why does he have <laughs> different color eyes? With You know, like nothing really explained it. So it's wild. That advance in, you know, science and technology. And I'm sure that was something that you know, was just explained away over the years and, and now is more traceable. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. that. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that. I totally forgot to mention it's, it's fun, you know, and it'll be it fun is. to keep talking about it with somebody that knows about it too. Absolutely. If we find that person, we'll bring you back for that episode too. Perfect. Um, is there anything else that you would like to share with us about Jean Jean before we wrap up for tonight? Uh, no, just that you know, fostering is great and don't be afraid to fail because failing is winning. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely love that. And and thank you so much for having such a open, joyful perspective about 
everything, your approach to fostering, to the adoption process, to learning new things is so hopeful and you're so approachable and so positive and that's what we need out there in this community we really need people like you who are just happy to put in the work and have the right mindset and help all of the dogs that we can help oh thank you so much i i appreciate you noticing that and i really do think that we need to be less judgy about if somebody needs to surrender their dog like i don't ever want to surrender a dog i never will do it but i've seen it in person where a person is heartbroken to have to give up their dog. And it's like, I think if we just can all take on that less judgmental thing and mm-hmm. just actually have just a little bit of empathy for the next person or animal. I mean, I just feel like that's the way forward. That feels so much better. And we can all just do that if we choose. So not to be too like naive about it, but I just think it's a, it's something that we can choose to pursue and it makes things go a lot more smoothly. One of my favorite things to do in general, no matter what the topic is, is to flip the script. I like to make sure that other people are looking through the eyes of someone else. What if you were, if you were in this situation, how could you handle? Just take a minute and think about how the other people's lives and the other's dog's lives are either going to be changed for the better or for the worse by staying in the current situation and understanding that sometimes the decision to surrender is the right decision. Sometimes humane euthanasia is the right decision. Sometimes finding a different home is the right situation. It just depends and however it works out, that's what it was supposed to be. And we need to just allow those things to happen the way they need to happen. Absolutely. And, and to end on a kind of a funny note uh, about my love for animals. Uh, I live in Minnesota and this was two winters ago. I, it was the wee hours about three in the morning and I was lying in bed and I heard this awful barking sound and I thought, oh no, you know, someone's left their dog out in this like 20 below, uh, situation. So I, I gathered my strength. I was like, I'm either going to have to you know, have like a, a chat, an uncomfortable chat with someone, or I'm going to have to get this dog out of a a backyard or I was ready to do whatever I, I had to do to help, uh, this dog that had this awful bark in the middle of the night. So I got in all my layers, my snow clothing and boots, and I walked outside to my backyard and the barking was coming from a tree. Oh, it was not a dog. But instead, it was a snowy owl. Oh! <laughs> and I had no idea, but apparently that's what they sound like, people. So if you ever hear that crazy bark coming from a tree, you might have a snowy owl sighting. And that's exactly what it was. And I got my video, you know, got the video out and the audio and uh, got got footage of this snowy owl flying away. And it does. It sounds like a kind of a deranged dog. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I guess I've never heard a snowy owl before, and now I don't think that I want to. (laughs) Well, I think that was a great way to end this episode. So we thank you very, very, very much for being here tonight, Sydney, and thank you for sharing your story of trials and tribulations, and what a beautiful ending. 
Thank you Josh. so much. Josh and Em, I really appreciate you guys. Congratulations on the podcast. I'm so excited about it. Thank you for having Thank me. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Sydney. Yeah, you bet. Straight Up Dog Talk was created by Emily Breslin. It is edited, produced, and co-hosted by Josh Wasta under the supervision of Straight Up Dog Talk, LLC, and Emily Breslin. If you're enjoying this podcast, follow or subscribe to be sure you don't miss an episode and leave us a review on your favorite platform. Looking for more honest and relatable dog content? Check out our sister show, Unpacked, with Jerry Sheriff and Madison Simpson. Thanks for listening to Straight Up Dog Talk. See you next week.